You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Australia is starting to get back on its feet after dealing with the global pandemic. And with the vaccine rollout now underway, we're starting to see more and more restrictions ease and borders fully reopen. And what that also means is we can get back to doing this. Yes, weddings are back on the agenda. And with it comes all the things that weddings bring out in us, including the worst. She'll still ask questions to this day about whether a priest is coming to the wedding. I realised quite early on that Dad had pretty much taken over. We were told that we could plan it all and they just wanted to have our day. Lights. I'm still getting grief about it even up until last week. Today, we're looking at the psychology of weddings, why it sends some families into fight mode and how we can overcome it. For many Australian couples, this year will be the culmination of an even longer engagement and planning process, with the pandemic interrupting the wedding bells of thousands of brides and grooms-to-be in 2020. But as they finally see a light at the end of their extended tunnel, there's something that still persists when it comes to almost every wedding day preparation, even those that have been postponed due to global events. The fact that it can sometimes bring out the worst in our friends and family. It's been the subject of countless movies and TV shows. Think Bridesmaids. It's just a little pre-wedding vacation and while we're there, we're going to meet the designer of her dress and have a fitting. (gasps) Are you kidding me? Bride Wars. You want me to change the date of my wedding? That'd be great. No. Or Monster-in-Law. Why don't you just face it? I am marrying Kevin today and there's nothing you can do about it. You face it. You'll never be good enough for him. And it's not just a story for Hollywood either. When we asked you who made your big day a little difficult, there were plenty of examples to share. She made comments about the wedding cake we've chosen because it's not her idea of a traditional wedding cake, as in fruitcake. Right up until probably three days before, I didn't know if my mum and her husband and my grandmother, who were the only people on my mum's side of the family that I invited, so I had extended family on my mum's side, but there was no way that my father was going to allow them to attend. So mother-in-law wanted to invite 14 of her friends that we've never met to a very small wedding. We ended up compromising with six after a big fight where they said they were paying, so it's our guest list too. My auntie got so smashed and started yelling at my brother's best friend saying, you're sitting in my brother's seat, get out, get off this table, referring to my uncle who we hadn't invited because he had a falling out with my parents and brother the year prior. My dad almost had security remove her, except my wedding planner forgot to lock in the security. He was seething my dad and he told her to leave. She didn't. After signing our wedding certificate, my ex-mother-in-law was handed the certificate to keep it safe. I watched from the Catholic altar as she looked me straight in the eyes while she began folding the wedding certificate in half, then again and again. Then she slipped a folded, creased, ruined wedding certificate delicately into my ex-father-in-law's suit pocket. It was the beginning of the end. Head of branding for event planning company Easy Weddings, Rebecca Crozier, says it's a rare day when they hold a wedding without some sort of tension. 
in some form or another, things do crop up for every couple planning their wedding, whether it's a niggle, whether it's somebody that's upset or whether it's hopefully not, but you know, the full-blown catastrophe. And I think over the years, these issues don't seem to change. It's kind of a regular thing that happens no matter what decade we're in. Well, how do you help couples navigate that? If it's such a regular thing, do you warn people that it might happen? Do you give them the heads up? How do you help them work through it? Yeah, so we've got lots of advice that we offer couples through blogs and our social channel and our Facebook community. So from that perspective, there are lots of resources where we're recommending different strategies for couples to navigate this time because, as you know, with a wedding, it's the first time that they're planning such a big event like this. They've never done it before. They're kind of thrown into it without knowing all of the work that's involved and also then coupling that with the emotion that is involved too as they start to envision what this day is going to be like. How much of a factor is stress in all of this? Is this kind of like the catalyst that maybe kicks off underlying tensions? Yeah, especially for couples who are busy working and that kind of time pressure. And so then when they're venturing into this big unknown, I suppose, that's when tensions do start to rise because there's a tug on their time, there's a tug on finance. And also they're venturing into this territory of conversations, things that they might not have ever had with particularly their families before. Families, friends, wedding parties, the whole bit. So why does an event that is supposed to be one of the happiest in our lives often lead to friends and family members fighting? Megan Solomon is the General Manager of Practice, Quality and Innovation at Relationships Australia. She has over 25 years' experience as a psychologist and as a couples and family therapist. Megan, why does a wedding often bring out the worst in us? Is it true? Sometimes it is that weddings can be a real crunch point for families, either because there's unresolved relationship issues in the family and they all sort of come to the surface, or because it actually is a really significant moment of change, particularly if it's for young people, young adults, moving out of home, leaving the family. For parents, it's a letting go, handing their young adults off into the world. So it's sort of a rite of passage time. And at those times when big stuff is happening in a family, it can have heightened emotion. And also there's sort of all those little intricate behavioural things, who's paying for the wedding, who gets to have a say over things. So there's sort of sometimes power issues that go on and conflicts that emerge. So a number of different things are all happening around that time. It's supposed to be a special, lovely occasion. So it can also bring out the best. So it's not just it can bring out the worst, I think. Some beautiful things can happen and some lovely renegotiations of relationships. Can we talk about the money factor there for starters? And often now brides and grooms are paying for weddings themselves, but obviously there is some family money that is often put into the kitty. How do we have the conversation on who gets the right to have input just because they've input cash? I suppose that's the stuff that needs to be talked about is what would you like to pay for and is it seen as a gift and a lovely thing or are there actually conditions attached to it? So how to have the conversation, you know, 
we really appreciate that you're giving this money. That's lovely. We were thinking to put it towards X, Y, and Z. What do you think about that? Would that be okay? So having an open, transparent, negotiated conversation um, rather than letting it sort of fester and people having assumptions about what's being paid for and who they get to then decide to come to the wedding because of it. Well, let's touch on the guest list because that seems to be quite a contentious argument for some families. And whether the person has put money in or not, there's often this idea that some people have a say in who gets invited. And we have heard some instances of people who say, well, if cousin Jeff, twice removed on your father's side, doesn't get an invite, I'm not coming to the wedding. How do we deal with that idea that someone needs to control who actually turns up on the day? Ultimately, the most important thing is to stay relationship focused and to be able to think about we don't want this issue or this one thing about who gets invited to a wedding on a day to impact or ruin our relationships together or to set up this pain point that people hold on to for years to come, which I think is exactly what happens. You know, oh, so-and-so never got invited. They got excluded. You don't love our family enough or you didn't invite the same amount of people from one side than the other, things like that. And it's really important to think about the relationship as a whole and to be able to say, why is it that they want uncle twice removed coming along to the wedding? Why is that important? So trying to understand the meaning. And sometimes it actually can be that there were issues when they got married, when the parents got married, because these things happen over time. And it's really important to ask that question, what happened when you guys got married? How many people did you invite? Were there any people that you couldn't invite? And just to be able to compare and talk about, sometimes it is that some parents are carrying a worry that someone will be offended because at their wedding, or at another wedding that they know of, somebody did get offended and it caused all these problems in the family and they actually don't want that to be repeated. So sometimes there are good reasons for those sort of conversations and to understand that. And then sometimes it is just a little bit unreasonable. You know, we need to invite everybody from the family. We don't want anybody to be left out. And I suppose it's then having the more frank conversation about, you know, it is that we can only afford this many people or the venue can only have this many, particularly in this time of COVID. And this is all we can do. So we really need to think through who can and can't come. I still think it's good to include particularly parents who are concerned about someone being excluded. It's good to have that conversation openly, even if the answer still is, look, we still can't invite them. But to be able to say, we don't want to hurt your feeling, we don't want to be inconsiderate and leave people out, that's not the intention, but we just can only have this many. Why is it so hard for some people to understand that it is the bride and groom's day, that they feel like they have to stamp their ideas on it? For example, we've heard stories of people whose bridesmaids refused to wear a certain colour dress, so chose their own. There's been examples of friends who didn't agree with the bridesmaids that were chosen, so they got upset. There are people who felt left out because they didn't have a job on the day. Why is it that some people can't just respect the fact that it is the bride and groom's day? I think the thing is that there's a meaning about closeness. Who's closest to the bride and groom? I got chosen to be part of the party and someone else didn't. I got chosen to be part of the service or do a speech or whatever and someone else didn't. There is a bit of all that inclusion and exclusion that sort of gives a message of who's closest to them that I think does play out and can feel a bit hurtful. So where it's really important to keep that relationship focused, I think the thing is that it's really important for the people getting married to have those conversations. If they haven't got a role for someone, to be able to say to them, look, I really want you there. You're very important to me. I just don't have a particular role for you to play. And to be aware of that some people might have thought that they could be part of something and then weren't. 
I think bridesmaids choosing their own dresses and all of that sometimes is a bit disrespectful and sometimes it is about being able to compromise what you feel suits you. I've been a bridesmaid six times. I've worn a whole variety of dresses, not that all suited my body type or whatever, but it's not about me. It's about the people who are getting married. And I think it is hard sometimes for people to not be so body conscious or self-conscious. And I suppose it plays into all of our body image insecurities and they have become more and more heightened with a whole lot of you know social media and, and the things that we now think about acceptable body types. And then also we're very individualistic, you know, I want what's right for me type thing. Whereas a wedding day, if it's about the bride and groom or the brides or grooms, it is about being able to say what they want we need to sort of go with and respect their wishes and be part of this and just feel very privileged and grateful that we've been invited to be part of it. A lot of people we spoke to said that they wish they'd just eloped, that it would have been a lot less stressful. But there's often some resentment that comes after people run away to get married, especially with family members, right? Absolutely, because they want to be part of this. It's a sort of a community event, isn't it? You know, where people want to be part of the celebration. We love having good things to look forward to, especially at the moment. It's great to be able to celebrate relationships and that people find each other. We do have this romantic idea of love. You know, isn't this amazing? These two people have found each other and want to be together and want this longer-term commitment. So people do want to celebrate it. And it almost feels a little bit like we get cheated if they go and elope. It's like they've gone and done this whole thing and we have got to be part of it and celebrate it and be able to honour it with them. I think a lot of people feel happy at weddings and enjoy it and it's a time of celebration and of course we want to be part of that. So should we all adhere to the old saying that it's the bride's special day and what the bride wants, the bride gets? Well, we may need to first reassess whose day it really is. For starters, what about the other person getting married, whether that be another bride or a groom? Also, when we reduce the day to being just about the bride, we forget that the wedding is an ancient tradition that dates back thousands of years. One that was initially about men owning a woman to produce heirs, before religion became involved, making it a ceremony overseen by God. It has evolved along with us through being able to divorce, to being able to marry without a religious ceremony, to welcoming same-sex couples, or even just the fact that we can marry for love, whether we're capable of or even want to have children or not. You can take your partner's name or not. You can choose to have so many different options in the ceremony and reception. It really is almost limitless. But at the heart of it all lies the bond of two people whose friends and family are gathering to celebrate their union, whether that's a crowd of hundreds or a party of three. So if you feel the tensions begin to rise, Rebecca says remember to talk it out. I think the first thing that couples could do from the very beginning is sit down together and kind of work out what their values are for the big day and also how close they are with their families, what cultural considerations there are. But I think having the non-negotiables laid out up front between the couple and then being able to communicate this really tactfully in a kind of gentle and considerate way with family members so that everybody's kind of knowing from the very beginning what kind of celebration you're thinking of. I think those two things, the values and then the communication up front can go a long way to mitigating any potential issues that bring themselves up when you're in the thick of the planning. You know, utilising your wedding suppliers is so important and putting your trust in them because they'll each have their particular strengths and knowledge and skills for that part of the planning and then particularly the venue as well on the actual day of the wedding. 
using their professionalism to ensure that things go as smoothly as possible and that you as the couple are just there to really celebrate and soak up the love. This episode of The Cookie was produced by Siobhan Moran-McFarlane and myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you are in the throes of putting together your big day, we have a podcast for that. Hitched, hosted by wedding planner Alicia McCormack. I'm getting married. Over 10 weeks, I'm going to help you plan your wedding without losing your marbles. Oh, no. We'll tackle everything from the guest list. You know I don't know any of these people, right? To wedding planners. Do not give yourself anything to do on the day except show up and enjoy. To finding the perfect dress or pantsuit or tutu or whatever you choose to wear. It's your wedding. It's your choice. Check out Hitched in your favourite podcast app today. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.